0: Welcome back to this episode of uh, Know Your Dharma. And uh, remember our guests are a wonderful couple, young couple from UK, Ranjan Vasudevan and Sonali Shukla. So Ranjan, please tell us about your point of view on the aesthetic aspects of Dharma, that is rituals, art forms and music.
1: Yeah, this is something very uh, dear to my heart because um, I think before I was interested in um, dharma as such, I was a musician and an artist, you know, that was my, I think, first calling in life, if you like, and I'm still very much immersed in music, Um, but uh, one thing I think that benefits mentioning um, in the context of ritual, for example, is that uh, ritual isn't only a means to an end of getting something, uh, you know, people often do it for, I want this, I want my good marks in an exam or something, you know, um, ritual is is also a way of appreciating beauty in a more fundamental sense to me. And uh, one thing I, I've, I really sense this: if you go to a temple and you see the care with which, for example, the deity is decorated, you know, the 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 real detail that uh, is afforded to this, um, you know, the, the, it's it's you know showing love for beauty in a kind of completely uh, abstract way. You know, imagining the uh, deity as the the supreme being that pervades everything and saying you know it almost seems meaningless how can i do something beautiful for the source of all beauty but there's something really beautiful about that concept as well so um you know that um that itself is an art form Um, also the the way that rituals are done for example the structure of rituals the um mudras you know people will see in bharatanatyam and forms of dance obviously people use mudras there but people may not know that in pujas as well uh, to purify the items that you offer to the deity, or to kind of um, offer certain services, upacharas, to the deity, which you don't have, they will use mudras. And to feed the deity, they will use another mudra that looks like you're feeding a child. So, all these things, I think, are not just ritual, but they're also aesthetic, and they're also to be appreciated for their own um, uh, um
0: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Wonderful, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think um, it extends into art forms and music um, as well. I mean, one thing I will say very carefully is I don't think that we have a monopoly on the art forms that have come from dharma. So I think that, for example, Carnatic music, Hindustani music, Bharatanatyam, I think is for the whole world. I I certainly would not, um, I'm not ever trying to make any kind of um, uh, exclusivity claim for um, in the same way that I, you know, I feel like I can enjoy the, the music of Bach uh, his you know beautiful uh, meditations on on christ or whatever i th- i think that similarly um the 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 art forms of of india are um uh, are for the world but i think it's very um uh, again it it, it's, it it' it um encapsulates so much about our mythology our um philosophy if we can actually just um uh, some sometimes delve into these art forms and i think this is something that was very uh, common to Sonali and I when we uh, when we met, actually, um, an interest in in art. I don't know, if Sonali, you wanted to talk about that any further?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I um I learned Bharatanatyam as a child, and it's something that I picked up again when I was doing my my PhD at Vanderbilt University. And um, I was really lucky there. Um, my dance teacher, uh, she she ran a class as part of um, uh, the university's dance program. So it was only one hour a week, and I felt like I could, I could afford to, to spend one hour a week. And at first I said, well, you know, this is good because I, you know, it's a bit of exercise, it's a bit of, you know, doing something other than my studies. <coughs> um, but I think the beauty of it was that it also gave me an hour of, you know, learning about culture and uh, spirituality, you know, so that hour, at least a minimum of an hour that I would devote to dance a week became a time for me to say, oh you know we are we're doing this piece that's talking about the um you know a devotee feeling forsaken by by god or you know even more simply you know the the antics of krishna as a young child but it you know through the art form it was an an opportunity to kind of delve deeper into into the philosophy into the the broader themes that ran across that and i think um yeah when Ranjan and i first met um we were both researchers at penn state and um everyone that we met said, oh, you know, we remember you because you asked about what the music and dance opportunities were at the university. And that's something we don't get from most science researchers, you know, that um, that kind of broad outlook of of what's available. That was um, something that we definitely had in common early on.
1: Absolutely. I I think in my case, it was music. Um, So I've always I, I grew up playing Western violin, piano, guitar as well playing some rock music initially and um then i diversified into Carnatic music which uh, uh as you know has a tremendous corpus of compositions with uh hindu themes and um, uh, philosophical themes and i think uh one thing about music of any kind is when you really get to immerse yourself um, in it uh it's this concept of nada brahman you know that we that we that people may be familiar with this idea that sound itself is it gives you an experience of a spiritual reality beyond what any words can can try to express. Whatever you try to explain, sometimes just listening to a beautiful sound says all the words you need to without saying anything, right? And I think that's something that I really felt from immersion in music. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when Sonali and I met, um, you know, I was, we were both new in Penn State. I was very lucky to find a group of musicians who shared uh, my love of music and, uh, and Sonali also uh, was uh, would come along to that uh, the group of musicians when we'd have regular sessions. And I think, you know, it's uh, dharma in a kind of peripheral sense, but in a, in a related sense, intricately linked towards themes and topics of dharma, of course.
0: Yeah. Um, we had a, a lecture in my KYD series here uh, by a dancer. Dance is a healer. And you can find that video of that on the website. And we had... Uh, Sangeet group at Duke also performed uh, this Carnatic music uh, group and both these videos can be found I think on their website um, and we also had you know the temple art is also very important uh, when you mention mm. art and so we had a beautiful lecture Unfortunately, we don't have a video of the recording of that but uh, by a former docent of a museum uh, on Tem- Hindu temple art and architecture a wonderful lecture that that was organized. Mm. Uh, So, uh, that leads us to the previous uh, question of uh, Ranjan. please tell us about your view on appreciating the philosophy of Hinduism through a daily contemplative discipline.
1: So I think, um, as I might have touched upon in in a previous question, I I was drawn to ritual in a way that perhaps was unusual for other people of my peer group. Um, So I think, there is a lot of tremendously rich philosophy that we have in Hinduism. But I th- my, my question always was, how do we internalize this? Is it enough to read a text, you know, X number of times? But is there, in the same way that we talk about music being experiencing a truth, which is beyond words, is there something that we can do in our daily lives that helps us bit by bit appreciate some of these truths um, in a way that is beyond just reading a book? And I think for me, um, after my Upanayana Samskara, I really found the ritual of Sandhyavandana, so the meditation on the Gayatri mantra in the morning and evening, I found that very valuable for some of the reasons mentioned. Um, it, uh, it is a time to sort of shut out the um, uh, hubbub of what's, whatever is happening during the day, you know, whatever WhatsApp messages you're getting, whatever is happening in the news, whatever work stress you have. You know we have two kids that that leads to its <laughs> own share of uh, stress as well but um you know luckily we have some time for a bit of contemplation like this and, and it you know one thing that's very popular nowadays is yoga and meditation and uh, i think one thing that people may not realize is some of these rituals are basically they include aspects of yoga they are exactly meditative rituals and i think um uh, you know if in the sandhya Vandana ritual for example one of the things one does after meditating on the Gayatri mantra is you say which is realizing that the sun is the same you know that 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 Supreme being you are perceiving through the light of the sun and also that Supreme being is what pervades you it's it's just a daily reminder of how can I be better how can i perceive that divinity it's a correction mechanism you know we we might have read it the book a million times but uh, it's a daily contemplation on those themes that goes beyond uh, knowing the truth intellectually I think um, Very
0: good, and so you know that reminds me of from, uh, the uh, the interpretation of Bhagavad Gita by Eknaatishwar, and the title itself is Bhagavad Gita in Daily Living.
1: Mm. And it's
0: a three-volume set; six chapter each is a separate volume. Yes, and I also should mention that in our KYD series, we had a series of four lectures by Acharya Vivek of um, Chimaya Mission. And the title we had chosen for those lectures is Dharma in Daily Living. Yes. So uh, mm-hmm. exactly that, that this is not a dry philosophy, but you can, you can uh, inculcate in your daily life these ideas. Yeah. It
2: actually came up during the pandemic, um, you know, when we were homebound with a four-year-old bouncing off the walls, <laughs> we um, we started to do, I'll, I'll let Ranjan explain the ritual um,
1: so um, during the wedding ceremony, um, so the samskara, the vivaha samskara, um, everyone is familiar with the concept of the the fire that is at the centre of the wedding ceremony. And um, that agni is symbolic of our partnership from that time onwards. We call it the agni, right? And um, one ritual... Witness, witness, right? Sakshi. Sakshi, agni-sakshi. And specifically the, the fire that we raise at the wedding for a couple becomes a symbol of their union. Um, and uh, one ritual that's been prescribed um, uh, by the, the sutra kara's, the, the, the you know the, the, the writers of the ritual manuals, is that the couple should actually maintain this fire for the rest of their life, every day with an offering in the morning and the evening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this is called opasana. Um mm-hmm. and uh, it's a very very simple ritual. But again, it's it's kind of has a philosophical aspect behind it because. Um, The husband cannot do this without the wife. The wife has to uh, hand the husband a handful of rice and the husband says, is it okay for me to sacrifice, to to offer this? And she says, I give you permission. So it's a symbol (laughs) from the very beginning of the marriage that on the first time they do it is at their wedding. And then technically it's continued after that. And we we decided to reestablish not a daily discipline, but a once weekly discipline of of doing this um, ritual of opah sanam and um, I yeah. think it was, I don't know, what what was your experience of it? Somewhere? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think it's uh, it's a nice reminder. One, you know, there's the beauty of, of doing the ritual itself, right? You know, it, it adds a bit of routine and stability, particularly in the, you know, completely unrecognizable world of 2020. Um, but I think also it's a, you know, it's a weekly reminder for us that, you know, the things that we want to do in life are joint effort and that, you know, the things that we want to do both for ourselves individually and for our children and for ourselves as a couple, you know, requires us to to work together as a team. And I think that's it's it's beautiful to find that in, in the ancient rituals.
0: Now, now you know, I, 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 the marriage ceremony the rituals vary from all over the place, right? So this this particular one, is it part of Laja home, at the beginning of Laja home, is it?
1: It's actually at the very end of the ceremony. Um, once you've done the larger homa and the pani grahana, all the different steps of the wedding, that that agni is um, is called the Agni. And one, one aspect is that this tends to, I've tended to see this aspect done in South India, where they maintain the fire um, uh, and offer the first grains of rice in the first opasana offering. Um, I'm not sure if it's practiced as commonly in the north, but uh, I, I'm not too too familiar. But. Sorry.
0: You know, I would like like uh, you to send me uh, any short write-up that might be about this. But this also reminds me that um, uh, somebody once told me that sannyasi was supposed to carry fire from one place to another while traveling. Mm. Uh, and because fire represents burning all the uh, impurities or whatever. But then it became impractical. And that is when they adopted... The saffron robes because mm. that looks like
1: fire. I see. I see. Interesting. Yeah. So
0: yeah, it's, maybe there is connection
1: there. Maybe mm. uh, one interesting other thing about this ritual of opasana is um, apparently it's common to all castes, and I think one one thing we can be in danger of in discussions of dharma is kind of often adopting a very maybe a Brahmin-centric discussion about these things. But everyone who has a fire at their wedding ceremony technically there is a option, I think it's fallen out of use now, but uh, this concept of uh, the fire that represents the energy behind their partnership and maintaining it through mutual effort, it's, it's a kind of universal concept that one can appreciate as well.
0: I think that's beautiful. beautiful. I would like to know uh, exactly what that is. Uh, and as I said, I haven't seen it. Uh, I've done wedding rituals myself, right? But <laughs> I haven't seen that, so. Sure. Uh, at this point now uh, i would ask sonali would you like to re- recite your favorite prayer for
2: the audience sure so so um uh, i have so many favorite prayers but i think uh, the one that i chose for today is um om triambakam Yajamahe Sugandim pushti bandana Mukshi and um i think the reason that that resonates with me is um just the around the theme of surrender and i think the most beautiful line from that translates to you know when when your time comes when it is time for you to leave this earth you know can you can the transition be as seamless as as a ripe vegetable coming off the vine and i think it's just such a it, such a beautiful analogy with such a you know that there's no way to encapsulate that um you know, with you can use all these high-minded words, but that simple act of, of a ripe vegetable coming loose is is you know I I just think it's one mm. of the most beautiful lines in in all of our scriptures. Absolutely, absolutely,
0: absolutely. wonderful. And uh, ranjan you want to recite your favorite one?
1: Yeah. So I think we've talked a lot about the um, the Gayatri Mantra and how it's uh, a very unique prayer in in, uh, in Hinduism, and uh, most people are very familiar with the meaning of the Gayatri Mantra of uh, illuminating our intellect towards something um, uh, something greater than our, ourselves. Um, but one really interesting version of this Gayatri Mantra that many of the audience may not have heard is the Gayatri Sama. So um, uh, I'm fortunate to have learnt uh, some of the Samaveda, which is the oldest musical uh, tradition one could say, perhaps in the world, certainly in India. Um, and uh, all the mantras that we find in the other Vedas, especially the Rig Veda, uh, often have a counterpart in the samaveda and this this really links for me with the concept of of um nada nada yoga or nada brahma you know the uh, idea that sound can give a meaning beyond just the words and uh, the unique thing about samaveda is that it adds a tune to the words and it also adds other syllables um to the words so i'll, I'll recite the gayatri sama uh, for you and uh, give you a, a little taster of um, how the samaveda recitation of mantras sounds om shri gurubhyo namaha Hari om om namas samavedaya tatsaviturvareniyo om bhargo devasya dhimahi Dhyo Yonah Prachoh
0: beautiful that is a Samved way of uh, reciting gayatri mantra can you do the non samvedic way the, uh, uh, for people to know the difference
1: sure yeah so the um, there are different ways um, in different parts of india so um, the one i'm going to recite is the, the krishna yajurveda style in north india they recite in the shukla yajurveda style which is subtly different but um, uh, this is the Sh- krishna yajurveda style anyway om Bhur dhimahi dhiyo om
0: wonderful and you know i should remind the audience that uh, ranjan was born and brought up in uk <laughs> uh, so it is possible to to be able to pronounce in tonate uh, in, uh, in wonderful chanting of uh, our scriptures, our mantras. So, R- R- Ranjan Eswanali, I really, really appreciate your taking the time for this interview. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure I'll take you up uh, on another occasion on many other topics that that are possible. Once again, you've been listening to Radio Naira Know Your Dharma program uh, under the auspices uh, of uh, both Radio Naira and Hindu Society of North Carolina. Thank you. Goodbye. Namaste and Hariyom.